Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Answering the Call, offering a glimpse into the spiritual journeys of local priests, deacons, and religious. And now, Answering the Call with Elizabeth Vicacelli. Hi there, and welcome to Answering the Call here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 and streaming live on stgabrielradio.com. I'm your host, Elizabeth Ficicelli. And my guest today claims to have some of the most Catholic roots in the diocese, and I'm sure after hearing about his heritage, you'll agree. He's Father Don Franks. He's the pastor at St. Anne's in Dresden and St. Mary's in Nashport and Mattingly Settlements so out there in Muskingum County. And he's here today to share his calling to the priesthood with us. So welcome, Father Franks, to the show. Elizabeth, it is good to be with you today. I've been exciting uh, very much to be with you and be present. Uh, it's good always to share the Catholic faith, which is so much a part of my roots and my heritage, um, goes clear back to 1602, uh, Mittelkelbach, Fulda, Germany, and uh, many of my ancestors migrated then to Perry County, and we have been uh, a part of uh, St. Joseph and Holy Trinity, uh, and then Springboard other parishes uh, for a very long time. Your family is is very Catholic. Um, you were just explaining about your roots coming from even as far back, like at the 1600s and the 1400s, and um, you have this long lineage, um, Irish Catholic, Irish German Catholic. Catholic. 1400s, the Irish Catholic uh, lineage, and 1600s that we can trace. Now, it was longer than that, but just recorded history. And so there are uh, 15 generations to me, and then with my grandnephews and nieces, 17 generations. So even your own family of origin still continue that Catholic legacy. Talk a little bit about your, your parents and your, your family and your Catholic life growing up. Uh, one of the things that was very important was daily Mass. Um, Mom took uh, me to daily Mass since I was four and a half years old. That's something that has continued throughout my life. Um, we always went as a family uh, to Holy Mass, uh, and we enjoyed that. Newark St. Francis de Sales was our home parish there in Licking County. And uh, as I progressed to the University of Notre Dame, uh, I was very much impressed with the Holy Cross priests. And then the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C. Uh, had some of the finest teachers, including uh, Cardinal Avery Dulles. Well, let's go back, because I do want to talk about your college as well. But let's let's go back to those years of St. Francis de Sales High School back then. And um, you were altar server. Altar server of the year, six years in a row for my yeah. senior Herman Mattingly, Dean of the Northern Deanery, uh, founder of the uh, Catholic Times, Catholic uh, Register back in those days. And very interesting because I am now the pastor of St. Mary Mattingly Settlement. Uh He is buried uh, just a few tombstones over from the church. Isn't that amazing? Life is such full circle. And so you have this big Catholic upbringing, that history, that ancestry, the home, the school, did you know as as a pretty young person that one day you want to be a priest? Very much so. Um, that was in my heart uh, early on. The Dominican sisters, St. Mary of the Springs, uh, Sister Mary Giles, uh, Sister Amarita, first and second grade teacher, and then all of the sisters uh, throughout my uh, education at Newark St. Francis de Sales and then Newark Catholic, uh, really gave me a wonderful desire to embrace this faith along with the priests that served in my home parish. When do you think the idea maybe first came to your head? Oh, can, I was little. You? I was probably before I went to even first grade, uh, and then nurtured all along. One of the things that, um, from a practical standpoint, um, I saw that you know I wanted to 
prepare myself for the business world, for the law uh, that I might have embraced. Um, and there were other things that I had uh, exciting. Um, I loved natural forestry and wildlife. Um, so I, when I was at the University of Notre Dame, was the um, one of the leaders of the Youth Conservation Corps at the Hebron National Fish Hatchery. So I have a well-rounded appreciation. We've always um, been very close to the land. Um, a lot of our cousins we would visit, um, my great-grandfather, uh, weekly. We'd go down Sunday afternoon, and we would enjoy uh, the farm ponds, the fishing, you know, the hay rides, the uh, family potlucks, uh, just those sorts of things, the square dances uh, it just brought us together. So you did, You said, as you mentioned, you had a lot of interest. Cause the, the priesthood thing was there since mm-hmm. you were a child. That, that was always a kind of a thought in your head. But you did have other thoughts. Like you said, uh, maybe an attorney, a judge, an ambassador. Um, your father had a family business. Mm-hmm. So uh, as you're approaching maybe high school, you were kind of still not 100% sure. No, and Dad always asked me, um, are you sure? And I'd say, 80% Dad. <laughs> and he continued to ask me that through high school and through college and even through the seminary. And even the day of ordination, he said, are you sure? And I said, 80% sure. Uh, after I was ordained, uh, the ceremony was over. Uh, Bishop Edward Herman loved the man. Um, I said, uh, Dad, I'm 100% oh, sure. There <laughs> it's a leap of faith, always. <laughs> Well, let's talk about Notre Dame for a minute, because since at that point, like you said, you were still not sure, you know, religious vocation, a career. So you thought you'd cover all the bases with, with how you studied. Talk about that, how, what your majors were. When I was at the University of Notre Dame, Dad wanted me to take over our family business, the Runnymede Corporation. There were 10 that originally started that. It actually is broadcasting. Uh, WHTH and WNKO is the uh, main focus. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because... Uh, you know, I had entertained those thoughts, but uh, I also was um, a protege of the president of the Ohio Common Pleas Judges, Winston Churchill Allen, and so uh, the law fascinated me. I worked with him uh, in the summer as his bailiff and his, um, you know, chief domestic relations officer, and uh, just was a protege for uh, helping him in the courtroom, and that was always something very fascinating. Um, I think that some of the the key um, events that really shaped my life, um, I had a section, uh, Father Bill Beauchamp. uh, He was our RA. Uh, Matter of fact, I just saw him a few weeks ago, um, and he became the vice president of Notre Dame and then the Mm -hmm. president of Portland University. Um, But he was the vice president of the law school and had no uh, desire or even inclination of doing anything but that. And one day in the company of the 24 guys that I was very close to, we ate together, we prayed together, went to Mass. Uh, But they were mostly engineers, pre-med, no arts and letters folks. Uh, I says, Bill, you were meant to be a priest. Well, he graduated, came back a few months later, and uh, he has really soared in his ministry and his priesthood in the Holy Cross order. Matter of fact, uh, the foundation that he started to um, lay the roots for, he was to raise the first $300 million for the university. I asked him, I said, Bill, what's that up to? He says, $9 billion. Wow. And so, uh, you know, a little word here and there may have made the difference. Well, so you saw his vocation real clear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were still working on yours. And what, what I find is so fascinating is you had one major political science major. Right. Uh, 
And But then you had this other major kind of in the secret that even these friends that you ran with, these really smart guys and good guys, they didn't really know about this whole theology thing you were studying on the side. They had no idea that I was also um, studying uh, 30 credits, 30 semester credits of theology, which is a major because political science, Supreme Court history, um, government was 30 credits. And uh, they would say, haven't you taken your theology course yet? And they didn't realize that I was going to daily mass because all of the dorms uh, had daily mass. So I would rotate that around and uh, uh, and a couple times at the Sacred Heart Basilica, which was magnificent on Sunday. But they didn't realize. And then uh, a couple months before we were to graduate, I said to them, uh, I want to be a priest. And they were elated, but did not know that that was what I was going to end up doing. You completed two major, double major in three and a half years. Right. That's unbelievable. I mean, For that's, Notre that, Dame, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's very good. So you, you graduate Notre Dame in 1975, 80% sure now that it's the priesthood for you. So as you said, Catholic University is, is would be your next step. Talk about that environment because it sounds like it was an exciting place to be. Catholic University during those years was phenomenal. Um, and it, it even has improved since I was there. Um, we had some of the best teachers in, in the world, um, people like Cardinal Avery Dulles, who was a simple, humble father at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carl Peter, who was a preti at Vatican Council II. Um, you had magnificent uh, houses of study. It's like the Little Vatican. You had the Dominican House of Studies. You had the Paulus. You had the Discalced Friars. You had the Franciscans. Uh, you had the Augustinians, uh, the White Friars. All these folks uh, and more came together, and there was this rich uh, appreciation for our faith. Then you had the different rites, the Melkite rite, the Byzantine rite. And so uh, I was plunged into uh, just a tremendous atmosphere of faith. And then on top of that, um, the city of D.C., uh, having that government major, there was so much going on, mm-hmm. um, movements. Uh, the, the National Shrine, which is the Basilica now of the Immaculate Conception, was host for so much happening. And it just happened that uh, while I was there, uh, our diocese ordained our uh, deacons in March at the Chrism Mass. And so I was practically the only uh, transitory deacon in the whole um, diocese of Washington, D.C. And so the apostolic delegate, Jean Jadot, and the cardinals, uh, here we have a time that um, Pope Paul VI um, is dying, Mm -hmm. and they need a deacon. And so all the cardinals come to D.C., and then they fly home and they fly over, and then John Paul I, but he was only pope for 33 days, and so they're back in D.C. again. Right. And then John Paul II. And so all of these gatherings. And so I got to uh, really be very much a part of the the leadership, those going into conclave, and just being present to them and many, many good holy men. And so you can see how the Spirit of God uh, descends uh, and uh, all the folks uh, from around the world. One of the things that I think is exciting is I got to um, preach at Christ the King as a deacon on Pope Paul VI when he died. Um, and that was with um, Monsignor James Patrick Hanley when I was there. And here he is going to be canonized. Mm-hmm. And I Amazing. just love the man. And anyone that follows someone like Don Angelo Giuseppe Roncalli, Pope John Twenty-Third, uh, and then has to make it all work is pretty phenomenal himself. 
Well, it sounds like you were in the perfect place, the center for um, a, a lot of Catholic life for this country and the center for political life for our country, mm-hmm. and those were both your areas. We're talking with Father Don Franks. He's the pastor at St. Anne's in Dresden and St. Mary's in Nashport and Madeline Settlement, and he's our guest today on Answering the Call here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. So you would then be ordained for the Diocese of Columbus in May of 1979, 35 years ago. So congratulations on that. That's amazing. And you then follow with a long list of parish service. I'll kind of summarize that. As a parochial vicar, you were at St. Peter and Paul in Wellston. You were at Christ the King, Holy Spirit, Elizabeth Ann Seton and St. Matthias, St. Mary in Delaware, St. Joseph's Cathedral and Our Lady of Peace. And then next, you were put in charge of uh, Catholic charities and social concerns. So talk a little bit about that experience. I, at first, um, when um, Father Thomas Cadden um, asked me to succeed him, uh, said, oh, I'm not worthy to do that. Uh, and I had said, um, you know, well, I think you ought to choose someone else. And so he asked me again. And then um, Bishop James Anthony Griffin called me in and he says, I'd like for you to uh, be the vicar of Catholic Charities and Social Concerns, which is like 40 Catholic agencies, you know, six, uh, 69 United Way agencies. Uh, you've got Mid-Ohio Food Bank Board. You've got um, Adam Board. Uh, just the networking in 23 counties of so much going on. And uh, I said, were, were you asking me the first two times? And he says, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, well, now that I know it's you asking me, I would like to do that. <laughs> and I didn't know that you'd been grooming me for seven years for this. And so it was exciting. I absolutely adored uh, having that opportunity to uh, be with such tremendous people as Ruth Beckman of Joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had um, Francis Carr of uh, Holy Family Soup Kitchen. Uh, we had tremendous energies and our organizations like Catholic Social Services, St. Stephen's Community House, St. Vincent's Children's Center. Um, you had Christ Child Society, so you worked with uh, Kay Gibbons and uh, some of the folks that were just national leaders in all of these organizations, along with um, St. Vincent de Paul. I was always very humbled because the national director was Monsignor Larry Corcoran. Mm. And, you know, to follow in the footsteps of someone who made uh, – all those ripple effects throughout the whole country was was humbling. But we were able to accomplish a lot. And in those days, um, we had tremendous clout. Um, we'll take, for instance, the $32 million that United Way would disperse. Um, not one nickel would go to anything contraceptive or even mm-hmm. condom or, or anything to do, heaven forbid, with uh, you know abortion. Uh, and so it was very unique way of being able to be the leaven and say, our institutions, we do things. And so we put uh, our energies where our priorities are. My expense account for all of that was $500 a year. And I made that stretch. So the Catholic Church is extraordinarily efficient uh, in our charity. And people came to realize that and respected this for it. That's amazing. And and I should probably mention also that you were um, serving as a chaplain at Riverside Hospital around the same time. And then you were called to the role of pastor, first at St. Mary's in Chillicothe um, from 1991 to 2000, and then uh, St. Mary's in Lancaster, another long stretch, 2000 to 2011. So what were the highlights for you at those two um, assignments? 
my heart has always been in the country, and that's where I am now. Uh, so those 20 years were phenomenal. Um, the personnel board um, asked Bishop Griffin to release me from my responsibilities in Catholic Charities, which I thought I was going to be for 10, 12 years, uh, to go down to Southern Ohio. They had uh, Monsignor Mario Seraglio had begun some wonderful work, but there was a lot to be done, uh, tremendous uh, energy needed uh, to re- re- revitalize uh, St. Mary and Chillicothe. And so um, we had a tremendous committee. Uh, you know, I can remember people like Steve Madrew and Chuck Holm and Joan D'Antoni um, and parish councils and building committees. We were able to do one of the first major transformations uh, of a parish. Um, we took down 11 buildings that were crumbling. Wow. Uh, we restored the whole church, uh, Gothic Rarados by E.J. Patenti of Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, brought back the vitality of uh, the vibrancy of the, the, the beautiful structure that that uh, was, um, built a family life center, um, and most of the bids would have been like a million three. We were able to get that for um, about 600000 So good quality, people working together, making things happen. And then the faith life uh, increased, mass attendance increased, uh, same thing uh, when we went to um, uh, Lancaster St. Mary's. Um, it just needed uh, a whole campus facelift. My predecessor had done a great job restoring um, the interior of the church, but the complete exterior needed um, revamped. Uh, and so that was something that we were able to do. But that always ran parallel and tangent to the spiritual life uh, that was most exciting to me. So the involvement with our grade school, with uh, Fisher Catholic, uh, the upper room, the young men and women that uh, just were vibrant with the faith, thirsting for the faith, would knock on the door and say, Father, would, can we just go over to church and say a few prayers? And I'd say, all right. Uh, so we get, well, can we just have benediction while we're over here? <laughs> I'd say, all right. Uh, can we bring some friends? And say, oh, I said, all right. Uh, and so they'd uh, bring people like Brendan O'Rourke and Adam Boyden and Trisha Casson and Kayla Walton and Andrew Maynard and Nick Ventura and uh, their friends, which would end up being 40 or 80 people, and we would celebrate God. And so an hour would go by, and I'd say, and they said, well, let's just go for another hour. And then they would say, let's just go for another hour. And so <laughs> I'd finally say, that's plenty God understands. So uh, there was an enthusiasm that just delighted me. And we're talking about high school and college students. And these young people have, you know, I'm glad that you're bringing up the youth ministry because it's become a, a big part of your priesthood, working with these people way back in the day when they were young and watching them grow. And they're just kind of summarize how these young people are impacting our diocese today. One of the things that is extraordinarily exciting, and I have a, a pulse, sort of what's going on in the United States anyhow, and our diocese is an epicenter for so many good things unfolding. Uh, Catholic Youth Summer Camp is perhaps one of the premier uh, events in the whole nation. And uh, Aaron Richards and Dan DeMattei and their wives uh, have really spearheaded uh, a tremendous network. Uh, St. Paul's Outreach, mm-hmm. uh, our own bishop, um, Frederick Campbell, loved him when uh, you know he was up north. And uh, here he comes here, and he has embraced them. Matter of fact, the last um, banquet that they had had almost 700 people. 680, yeah. and just vibrant, and people excited 
the leaven for all these college campuses. Our own Pontifical College, Josephinum, has uh, tremendous outreach, not only for our diocese, uh, we're the largest number there, uh, but for uh, folks from around the world. So you begin to see uh, things happening on not only Ohio State's campus, but Ohio Dominican's campus, and in our high schools. Uh, I've been involved with most all of the high schools in the diocese, and uh, I just see exciting things happening with regard to Kairos retreats, senior retreats, um, and even in our junior high, our confirmation retreats going into eighth grade. I just see a lot of blessings unfolded, and all these groups working together. And I know you're still um, working with youth uh, as a chaplain at Muskingum University as well. What do you find so invigorating about these young people? One of the things that I see is that uh, there is an idealism in them and an energy. Um, They want to be close to our Lord Jesus. They believe in the basic Catholic uh, doctrines and dogmas, but not in a way that's a cerebral construct. Uh, They believe with their heart and soul, uh, the body and blood, the soul and divinity of Christ. Uh, They believe in the sacrament of reconciliation. Uh, They believe in the permanency of marriage, uh, the sacredness of uh, a man and a woman uh, making this commitment, uh, bearing uh, fruit with the children, sharing in in the creation. Uh, They believe uh, in the lives of the saints. Uh, They want to embrace these saints. They want to imitate them, uh, and in their own way, in their own time. I think that uh, one of their heroes was Pope John Paul II, although they absolutely loved Benedict and they are embracing Francis with a new vigor and a new energy. So we can see how um, all these canonizations are saying sainthood is not some lofty ideal. It's not just out and about in a monastery in a a far-off place like Nicholas Kazantzakis said when someone came to uh, the monastery, Shu, your, your monastery is the world. And so they want to be the leaven in the world in which we live. You know, you bring up the, the popes, and, and that reminds me of another question is, how have these popes that you've seen over 35 years, and we've had some really good ones, how has that impacted your priesthood? Tremendous. Um, I have a great recollection of Pope John the Twenty Third, and his affable style didn't leave the Vatican that much or leave Rome, um, but just that pastoral presence. His successor, Paul VI, when he went to the United Nations and said, ne le jamais la guerre, ne le jamais la guerre, war never again. What a prophet. And then John Paul II with his brother having that large family and that smile that he had, his model, which was humility, Mm -hmm. uh, wasn't here long but made a big impression. John Paul II, um, he really was the the bulk of my priesthood from ordination until just a few years ago. And that rigor, that robustness, that uh, energy going to over 100 countries, uh, the universality uh, of the um, faith. And then the, the talk that he had with, um, you know, Mikhail Gorbachev and mm-hmm. the uh, Berlin Wall came tumbling. Things were happening. His embrace of folks like Mother Teresa of Calcutta, Padre Pio, uh, just that beautiful appreciation for Mary, the mother of God. Um, I saw my preaching very much uh, imitate his uh, concerns and his philosophy. Then when Pope Benedict XVI came along, I loved that monastic uh, just appreciation that he had for 
um, uh, our Catholic faith and mm-hmm. uh, his intellectual prowess and his uh, tremendous ability to uh, reflect in ways that I had never done before. And uh, now my favorite is Francis. I've always had a particular love for Francis of Assisi. That was my holy card when I was ordained. Um, that simplicity and his vicar of Catholic charities and social concerns, reaching out to the poor and the vulnerable and the uh, uh, disenfranchised, the dispossessed. Uh, he is making a difference in the witness that he gives us. And I see tremendous, tremendous fruit from his uh, papacy. And I, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, he is not embracing the, the, the royal trappings. Uh, you know, even Pope Paul VI took off the tiara and gave it to the United States, uh, said, you know, the simple pallium, uh, get out and smell the sheep, uh, get your hands dirty, mm-hmm. uh, be with folks, uh, make the Catholic Church a sign of evangelization, hospitality, make the sign of uh, witness. Uh, and so I think that all of these uh, Holy Fathers that I've been so much uh, in love with have given the church what it needed exactly when it was needed. I know. It's an exciting time to be Catholic. It is. It's an amazing time. And and I think, I don't know if it's whether these popes are just more um, prevalent, present to the world, or if it's Catholic media that's making them more present to the world, but, you know, they're engaging to watch and follow and, um, so it is an exciting time. Father Franks, I, it has been such a pleasure having you. Um, I've been wanting you to be on the show for a long time, so I'm so glad we got our schedules worked out. Uh, could you leave us with your blessing? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Heavenly Father, we appreciate your embrace, the redeeming grace of your Son, Jesus, and the love that the Holy Spirit pours into our hearts, infuses us with uh, a delight a dancing in the spirit. The radiant joy that Pope Francis speaks of is one that is for all of us to share. It is not a gospel of gloom and doom, defeat and despair, destruction and death. It's a gospel of life and hope and joy. It's a gospel that emanates uh, all that is holy. It's a gospel that reveals in our world, in our time, the God who has created us and fashioned us in his own image and likeness. Let us open our hearts then to this wonderful communion of saints that we are a part of. Let us know of the divine mercy of our Lord Jesus, who teaches us, uh, Sister Faustina, in a very powerful way, in the sacred heart of Jesus, uh, gives us so much to be thankful for. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus, in the power of the Spirit, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. This is Elizabeth Ficacelli, host for Answering the Call. We'll see you Tuesdays and Sundays, 1230. God bless. Answering the Call is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM820. Archives of Answering the Call with Elizabeth Ficacelli are available at stgabrielradio.com. Then he, son.